bad news, Cavalier fans. They're dead. The hopes and dreams of the Cavalier fans that our boys could climb to the three seed officially deceased. They found them buried shoddily in the woods under some leaves. Pants yanked down around the ankles. What's this? Somebody fucked the corpse. The DNA tests reveal it was NBA official David Guthrie. At the replay review, there is not clear and conclusive evidence to overturn the call as a defensive foul. So the play will stand as a defensive foul. Cleveland will be charged their timeout. Fucking ridiculous. Okay, kill this music. Oh, two hands. That'll bring the house down. Three on the way. Good. And Garland spins down the lane and laid it in. This crowd has erupted. Welcome to Fear the Fro. A podcast covering the Cleveland Cavaliers and the NBA with the voice of Fox Sports Radio. Figure out a way to stop it. Listen and subscribe anywhere you get your podcasts. Here it is. My favorite show. And now, your host. His name is Bob Schmidt. Yeah! Well, with that, the door is closed. I'm not really that mad. I do think that the uh, NBA officials have yet again inserted themselves into the outcome of a game unnecessarily on a call which I don't think anyone would have objected to them overturning. Now, they managed to do it earlier in the game when the Hawks reviewed what was a offensive foul on Anyeka Kangwu as he ran down the court, and Ricky Rubio just sort of positioned himself in a way to get trucked by a Kangwu, and I agree with that overturn. Of course, I disagree with this lack of an overturn late in the game. Just over two minutes left. The Cavaliers had gone on an unbelievable run in the fourth quarter. A 13-0 run. They trailed the game by 12 points. They trailed by as much as 15 at one point. But after trailing by 12 points in the fourth quarter, they exploded. A 13-0 run. Donovan Mitchell contributed seven of those 13 in that run. He was absolutely on fire. Nailed back-to-back triples. Put the Cavaliers up 109-108. And from there, things started to get interesting. As we got towards the... There was a lot of back and forth from there. We had Mobley finding Stevens for a, a baseline dive and dunk. We had Mitchell getting Murray to ride his back on a foul. That put the Cavaliers back in the lead. Then we got to that fateful play. Two minutes, 14 seconds left. DeJounte Murray elevates for a three-pointer behind the three-point arc, obviously. But somehow, when he landed, his feet were feet inside the three-point line. Avin Mobley, statuesque, at least it appears that way in images. Yes, he did jump a little bit towards the shot, but not towards the shooter. And that's the key thing here. You're going to see the images floating around social media, Reddit, Twitter. They already are. And what the image depicts is about as conclusive you could get out of a photograph. The video, equally damning. It shows Evan Mobley contesting a shot, elevating, coming down, standing straight, and DeJounte Murray looking like the arm of a clock, looking like a 45-degree angle, looking like the axis on a graph, looking like a baseball player sliding into a base. The motion is not anywhere remotely natural. There's nothing natural about it. It is straight out of the Trey Young sales handbook. Always be closing. And that is what DeJounte Murray did. Now, Trey Young didn't close shit. He sucked tonight. Missed his first seven shots, six turnovers. Deep into the third quarter, he had zero field goals. 
and six turnovers. He had missed all of them. The only thing he managed to do was get to the line a little bit. Now, when all is said and done at the end of the night, he shot four for 15 from the floor. If you told me going into this evening that Trey Young would be as objectively horrible as he was, he made stupid decisions, he tried to bait whistles largely ineffectively. Yes, he got to the line nine times, but who led the team in free throw attempts? Anyeka Kongwu. That's right. The backup center was the player of the game. I mean, aside from maybe DeJounte Murray for the Atlanta Hawks. And his third quarter was impeccable. He shot eight of his 12 free throws in the third quarter alone. And he finished the evening with 21 points, nine rebounds, three blocks. And destroyed his career high in free throws made in a game by four. He had, he had made seven before. That was as many as he'd made. But tonight, 11 for 12 from the free throw stripe. Just an unbelievable evening for Onyeka. What a night for USC centers. The man who preceded Evan Mobley and was one and done the year before Evan arrived at USC, they showed out tonight to score 21 points on just five field goal attempts, all of which he made, by the way. Onyeka Kangwu was absolutely incredible. Evan was no slouch himself. Another brilliant game from Mr. Mobley. 20 points, 15 rebounds, 6 assists, 4 blocks, and a steal. And he did it all without a turnover. Leading into tonight, Evan Mobley had scored 20 points with 10 rebounds and 0 turnovers three times. All three of those games had been victories. This was the first time Evan achieved that statistical feat and somehow managed to come away with a loss. It's very difficult to do that. Now, some of that can obviously be attributed to no Okoro, no Jared Allen, no Neto, no Danny Green, etc., etc. It wasn't their full squad tonight. But still, even this Mitchell, Garland, Mobley trio is far better than this Hawks team this season. And with Trey Young laying an absolute poopy diaper of a game, You would have thought that the Cavaliers would come away with a victory, but I cannot understate how unbelievable Okongwu was in that third quarter and how disappointing it was in the second quarter to get outscored the way that the Cavaliers did. Because if you look at the the summary of the game, it will show you that the Cavs were outscored by eight points in the second quarter. That was their worst showing. I thought the third quarter, though, was more disappointing. And that is because the Cavaliers sent the Hawks to the free throw line 15 times. Now, the Hawks were way, way better than the Cavs at the free throw stripe. The Cavaliers missed their first five free throw attempts today. Three of them from Karis LeVert in the first half, and then another two from Evan Mobley. Look at that starting lineup. 15 for 15 from Donovan Mitchell and Darius Garland, and a combined 0 for 7 from LeVert, Stevens, and Mobley at the line. That shit can't happen. If there is going to be anything that will absolutely rip my heart out in the playoffs. It will be losing winnable games because of free throw disparity, whether it be in attempts or just efficiency. We can't do that. I don't want to lose games because somebody lives at the line. I don't want to lose games because we're laying bricks left and right at the line. They've got to get that shit together. And Mobley, I don't think we can count on him to be a reliable free throw shooter. He is very streaky. Sometimes he's making them all. Sometimes he's shooting 50% from the line. In the end, all roads lead to 65 to 70%. But guys like Levert and Stevens go to the line so minimally, they just got to knock them down. You can't have Levert missing all of his free throw attempts. That can't happen. Now, the other problem, which is an obvious one and one that was predictable considering 
we did not have our full contingent of players was that the bench was severely lacking as opposed to that of the Atlanta Hawks. Our Cavaliers scored just 14 points and nine of those came from Ricky Rubio. Meanwhile, on the other side of the ledger, you had 21 from Okongwu. You had double digits from Bogdanovich and Bay. They scored 44 points. The Cavaliers were outscored by 30 points off the bench. So that problematic. Now, you could look at their starting lineup, and I think we saw, objectively speaking, two horrible performances from players who could severely impact their ability to win. The heart and soul of that team is, of course, Trey Young, who was brutal tonight. But DeAndre Hunter got absolutely cooked by Donovan Mitchell all game long. And on top of that, he could not hit anything. He shot horrible. 25-0 splits. 3-for-12 from the floor from DeAndre Hunter. So not his night. And in the second half, you all saw, or read if you didn't see the game, what Donovan Mitchell did. And of his 44 points, he scored 32 of those after halftime. That is his second highest scoring half behind, you guessed it, the 71-point game. So for him to score 44 points, and that came with a lot of statistical achievements. That marks, he's now third behind Walt Bellamy and Wilt Chamberlain in terms of 40-point games by a player in his first season with a new team. Right now, he has 10. If he gets to 12, he's tied for second behind just Wilt Chamberlain. If he gets to 12, he passes Kyrie Irving in terms of all-time 40-point games for the Cavaliers. That's how ridiculous both scoring in the NBA has gotten and what Donovan Mitchell is doing. It's somewhere between the two. Donovan Mitchell has been unfucking believable But also, the fact that he could, in one season, eclipse all the time that Kyrie put in here as a Cavalier and have more 40-point games than him is pretty wild. So, now, I, I'm not going to dwell too much on this game. We hit the big things. Gigantic bench disparity, horrible free-throw shooting, a ton of runs. Throughout this game, we had an 11-0 run by the Cavs to start, but the first half saw a 15-2 Atlanta run in the first quarter. They got a 15-4 run in the second quarter. And then, of course, late in the game, the Cavs had that huge 13-0 run, which put them into the lead. It would not sustain, but a lot of momentum shifts throughout the game. The free throws, the bench play, it doesn't take away from what we saw from Donovan Mitchell and Evan Mobley. And again, I'd like to remind you, 17 points in the fourth quarter on over 70% true shooting. This is a man who's not even being considered on some top 10 MVP lists, Donovan Mitchell. I just told you that he scored more 40-point games just this season than all but two guys in NBA history in their first season with a new team. And he's not even in the top 10 of the MVP discussions. It's asinine. I share a lot of the same resentments that I know many of my fellow Cavs podcasters and Cavs fans do that we are being largely overlooked when it comes to awards. I thought Jared Allen had one of his best defensive performances in that last game before the groin injury that clinched the Cavs a playoff spot. He was fantastic in that quarter where he had two blocks and a steal to start things going. Just incredibly impactful. And then tonight... Evan Mobley imposed his will on the defensive end throughout the game and his decisive offensive moves. He's getting better and better at just knowing what's going to work. There's no tentativeness. The pump fakes, if he uses the pump fakes, it's knowing 
that it's going to give him an opportunity for an easy flush or maybe even an and one. It's not hesitance. There's no belief that when he pump fakes, he's doing it because he's worried he might get blocked. It always feels like now it's coming from a place of, well, this is just going to get me a better shot, and I'm confident in it. Because when people give him lanes, he's taking them. He had a beautiful dunk in transition, where it's just two gigantic steps and a flush tonight. He was so good. So good getting to that hook shot. He even hit a falling away hook shot at the end of a shot clock where he kind of had to bail the team out. And for him to make that, his touch is getting so good lately. For him to get these 2010 games, just you can just look over the course of the last several games, the ascendance is there. It almost didn't matter that that DG has been in a bit of a shooting slump in the games leading up to this one because Evan Mobley's ascension has rendered that almost irrelevant. I am ready to see the Knicks. I, I've settled on that. I want to see that because, quite frankly, I keep hearing stuff like this in the media. Who has the higher ceiling out of the Cavs in the Knicks? New York stand up. Orange and blue skies. I'm rolling with them. They have the highest ceiling because guess what? They're going to see the Cavs in the first round. I strongly believe that. I got the Knicks winning, so they have the highest ceiling. I don't know if Perkins completely understands what higher ceiling means. I mean, my understanding of it would be who has more room to go between where they currently sit and where they can ascend to. And I think it's very hard to look at a team that has as young of a core as the Cavs and Evan Mobley just now scraping the surface of the kind of dominance he can show and say that the Cavs, they have the lower ceiling? That's insane. But if you thought that was insane, listen to this doozy. I have the Knicks going further in the playoffs than the Cleveland Cavaliers because they're going to match up with them in the first rounds, and I got the Knicks winning that uh, first-round series. That's not so much an insane statement as an incredibly obvious statement. That's like saying the team with more points is going to win the game. Well, yeah, you could have shortened that sentence up considerably, Kendrick. You cannot lose games in the NFL and still win. But I am ready because... There are a lot of people who openly root for New York to return to some sort of respectable fashion in the media because they think it'll be better for the NBA. And as a fan of a small market team, I've always hated this. Well, the league's better when such and such is better. New York or L.A. or Boston. No, the league is better when people aren't sitting out MVP showcase matchups like what Joel and B did the other night. When guys are trying, when they're not mailing it in, when there's parity. This season has been fantastic because on any given night, there are so many games that matter. Tonight, if you're listening to this on Thursday, you get the heat in the Knicks. That game is going to matter. Yes, I think it's looking like the Knicks will be locked in there, but the positioning between the Nets and the Heat could be very relevant. It could impact the first round greatly. You got Philadelphia taking on the Mavericks. Philly needs wins. For Embiid's MVP stance, and Kyrie and Luka are fighting for their lives to get into the play-in. And and to have so many games on a night-to-night basis means so much. That's been incredible. This I just wanted to get on and do a short podcast. I'll I'll be doing more, but I'm on the road now. So with the playoffs approaching, I do have a bunch of stuff in store, including a look back at some of the stupider things I've said this season, a compilation, a retrospective, if you will. That is all on the horizon. But thank you to everybody who has joined me for this episode of the Fear the Fro podcast. Don't focus on the loss. Focus on Donovan Mitchell doing incredible things and forcing his name 
into all NBA conversations. Quickest player to 10,000 points and 1,000 threes in NBA history. There's not much longer now that people can go on continuing to slight Donovan Mitchell. And Mobley is doing the same. Mobley's ascension on offense is going to get him so much more attention. It's going to raise the profile and the attention that's given to what he's doing on the defensive end. And tonight, while the defensive play that he'll garner the most attention for is unfortunately one that went against him, it's still going to be favorable to him because people are going to see a guy so impactful. After tonight, he is tied for third in contested shots per game with Zubac from the Clippers. He contested a ton tonight. I think it was 17 or 18 tonight across the course of the game. Just an unbelievable game for Mobley and one in which he got host. This just adds to what will have to be looked at in the offseason. And even though we got fucked, it was a fairly low stakes fuck up. If enough people put their eyes on that, then hopefully the next time one of those calls happens, in a moment where we absolutely need the win, the Cavaliers and their incredible defense will get the benefit of the doubt. And Evan Mobley, one of the league's best defenders, will get the benefit of the doubt. I truly think he will end up first-team All-NBA defense. I think it's basically looking as certain as it was when Embiid was surging a couple weeks ago, that the narrative has changed, the conversation has changed, and it's gone from a place of, well, neither guy may make it, Jared Allen or Evan Mobley, because how do you attribute credit between the two of them to looking at how great this team has been overall and how strong their individual cases are overall and saying, you know what, the question now isn't whether one of the two guys will make it. It's, will Jared Allen squeak onto the second team? Because I truly believe Evan Mobley is going to finish first team all NBA defense. Maybe I'm an insane homer, but I just don't know how you can look at the numbers, the team success on defense, and just what he's doing on a night-to-night basis and keep him off. So that's it for this pod. Thank you to everybody who's listened, who's rated, who's left a review, who's subscribed. It's very meaningful to me. And I'm super excited to get to the playoffs and see how the Cavaliers perform when the pressure is on. And hopefully answer some of the doubters who just think that the lack of experience is going to severely hamper them, as opposed to the Knicks, who apparently are just a veteran, battle-tested team who has proven that they show up in the playoffs. I don't know where that came from, but maybe it's just because they play under the bright lights of New York every night at home that they'll be more ready. Guess we'll see. This has been Fear the Fro. If you like the show, subscribe and rate wherever you listen. Our guy, Bob Schmidt, always gets a reaction out of it. Join us next time for more Cavs and NBA coverage.